You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, February the 10th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me to talk about today's subject is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Keep them warm? Yes, the snow, I tell you, it's gone. gone yes we had 50 60 degrees around here oh we've only been having a a heat wave of about 40 degrees wow well today we're going to be doing something that i find very interesting our program is called law and gospel and we just so happened to run across an article that the president of our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, Matthew C. Harrison, wrote, and the title is Preaching Law and Gospel in Times of Trial. And I thought it would be a good idea to take a look at it because one of the comments he says is how important is the preaching of law and gospel. But he starts off. We're talking about uh, COVID. What does he mention there? Well, he talks about the COVID epidemic that broke out and how sometimes people uh, will um, talk about the Spanish flu outbreak in 1918, and he makes parallels, but... uh, he talked about more well, serious you had given outbreaks. Me a sheet some time ago where uh, you had various diseases on it, and there were large circles, and COVID had a very small circle compared to some of these others. Yes, uh, it was it was a sheet on on, on the pandemics, and the, the worst was. Uh, Black Death of the Plague. And let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. COVID was uh, the ninth worst outbreak so far in terms of deaths that are out there. Yes, in uh, 1849, cholera struck St. Louis. They only had 63,000 residents. And over 8,000 of them died from the cholera. In fact, 200 people a day were dying in the city. Yeah. So that's something. And he goes on to discuss uh, Walther's uh, work during that period of time, which I, I found kind of interesting. I mean, he lost family and... Members, he did up to forty-five funerals in in his uh, church. Right. In fact, um, he was made the health official of the district, responsible to use such remedies as necessity demands by supplying the poor with medical devices, having medicines made up for them, and using disinfectants. What's interesting is what Dr. Walther preached during this time, according to President Harrison. What was the uh, quote? 
<laughs> rebellions by entire nations against the governments. Um, 1848 saw numerous rebellions against European governments. There was bloody destructive wars on land and sea, a contagious epidemic striding the face of the earth. There are the awesome preachers to whom God now issued the command, go into the world and preach repentance to all creatures. And he makes a point. It was a clever turn to apply Christ's mandate to the apostles and his church to preach repentance to the devastating events happening to the world of his hearers in 1849. And therefore, that time and event, the times of fear, the times of death and destruction amounted to the preaching of the law. They terrify strike down, reveal sin, faithlessness, and fear, what would cause a preacher to preach the law during that time? Well, it, it, I guess the destruction of the world itself coming, coming about because uh, let it know, knowing that this is what we see going on all around us is uh, is the world falling apart as a result of sin entering the world through uh, one man, Adam and Eve. Yes, the next paragraph explains, such events strike us in different ways and produce different results and different sins. Some doubt God's promises some become paralyzed by fear. Some take on an Epicurean attitude, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Some become selfish and self-centered. Some become overbearing, disdaining others with a different take. Some despise preaching as and his word, or they despise the Lord's Supper. Now, I find it very interesting. Last week, we read a lesson from Isaiah 6, where Isaiah, in a vision, sees God the Father, and he says, Woe me, for I am lost, <clears throat> because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell with a people of unclean lips. Then one of the angels flew to him, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from the altar, he touched the mouth of Isaiah and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And then Isaiah heard the verse, voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Now, do you recall, because I hadn't until I read this, what the message was that Isaiah was to say to the people? Well, it really started out with law about the destruction of, of man and the sins that they committed. Isn't that the rest of chapter Very six? good. Very good. Uh, he, God says, um, go to the people, 
keep on hearing, but do not understand, keep on seeing, but do not perceive, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And then Isaiah says, how long, O Lord? And God says, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Now, that's really strong law. And after the worship service, I had a woman of the congregation I always have time to talk to members of the congregation uh, before I leave to go back to St. Louis. And she came up and she said, I don't understand this section. Why is he saying these things? And I was able to share with her the fact that these people that Isaiah was talking to were about to go into Babylonian captivity and that he was giving them warnings that because of their sin, this is what they're going to be experiencing. They're going to be forsaken. They're going to be, wow, really problematic and taken into slavery. And that's because, as Jesus said in Mark, two things you preach. First of all, repentance, and then the gospel. And Matthew Harrison picks this up. And I, I think that reading from Isaiah is really helpful in understanding what he's saying. You know, I, I agree. And another passage I think of is uh, Luke chapter 13, where some of them came and asked Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus says, do you think these Galileans are worse sinners than other Galileans, I tell you the truth, say no, but unless you repent, you will all perish. And he talks about the tower of Siloam that falls on 18, where they were sinners. But he says, unless you repent, you shall perish. And I think there, too, is is a description of... of uh, which is which is worse? We see these natural tragedies, which are very bad before us, or the fact that we lose somebody that's that's not a believer in Christ. Yes. So, what does he say finally, ultimately, that most people need? They need to have very little fear of COVID nineteen, and why is that? Because uh, Christ is greater than them. You know, the passage that, in looking at this, I went back and looked at Walton's Law and Gospel, that reader's edition, and you pick it up right around page 200 and, and following, but uh, especially there's the passage of First John 3 that he talks about in affliction. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and assure, reassure our hearts before him. 
For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows that uh, God is uh, the ultimate judge that, that we're looking at, and it is he that gives gives forgiveness of sins. Yes, the point that President Harrison is making is that because of the suffering for weeks on end, people even dying, some parts of the country are hit hard, others not so much. And this uncertainty has caused division within congregations. Mm -hmm. Now, I've heard about this, like, for example, the wearing of masks. People get angry with the pastor when they're told to wear a mask when they come to church. They don't like wearing masks, some of them. And even though the government kind of insists on it at times, at my congregation, everybody wears a mask in Illinois because that was what the government said. Although it appears that that rule is lessening and individuals are going to restaurants, etc., and of course not wearing masks. But if the pastor takes a stand in support of what the government is saying, some people get angry at the pastor because they don't want to do what the government is saying. And therefore he says, this makes preaching and pastoral care an even more difficult art. Why is that? Because uh, they're not seeing what I call the forest through the trees type situation that's going on. Is uh, they think the government is is even on and here in Illinois, we're they're taking out and lifting the mandate on February twenty eighth. But uh, even I will continue to wear a mask, even though there's no mandate to uh, to do it. Um, getting really down to what President Harrison is talking about, I found this little gem in in uh, Walter's Law Gospel. He says, "Faith precedes feeling." You know, first a person must believe, and then they may feel. You know, our people get get uh, worked up in this, like you said, in anger. And they need to also look at it in terms of faith. And that's the pastor, pastor's duty is to point him to the word and sacrament. Yes. President Harrison then says something that I really enjoyed reading after he says how difficult pastoral care is today. Pastoral care is the art of distinguishing the law and the gospel and giving each his due. Luther, properly called distinguishing between law and gospel, the most difficult task of being a pastor. Why is that so difficult? Because there are times where he has to get out and and speak the law, uh, yes. and they yeah. don't necessarily like to hear that. I know of a pastor once that... Uh, preached about uh, marriage and and uh, proceeded to be hauled down into a, a fellowship hall by some of his members and saying, why did you write that, uh, speak about it? 
and uh, one of his one of the elders stepped in and said, "You know, Pastor has been talking about the epistle lessons all year long, and this Ephesians five came up as the lesson for the day, and he preached on it. Don't you think we needed to hear about it because there were several divorces going on in that family?" Oh, yes. People don't like to hear the law because they want to defend themselves from breaking the law, a self-defense mechanism. And it's really a shame that the law needs to be preached because then when the people get that depressed, what do you preach after the law? The gospel, you know, Walter too says that we should hold fast to the word when we're going through these difficult times. And when I refer to that reader's edition, it's talking about uh, the afflictions that uh, a Christian goes through. And I tell you what, uh, Harrison and and uh, Walter just a spot on match when you read through the, the reader's edition. You read this letter that that Harrison has put out. Yes. In other words, to stick with the word, what specifically, what parts of the word are we to stick to that gives us comfort? Well, the gospel itself, you know, as I mentioned. Uh, but what what is the part of the gospel? The promises. Well, the prom- the well, yeah, it's connected to the promise. Faith takes hold of the promise. That's why he said faith precedes feeling, because feeling, can, as Walter says, can come and go. But faith is, is rested on the promises of, of, of the gospel. Yes, uh, I like those books that are the promises in the Bible. And it doesn't matter where you buy the book because all they have are promise after promise, and they often will categorize it for when would you use this promise? Maybe a woman is about to have a baby or someone is going in for a cancer surgery or somebody's worried about keeping their job or trying to buy a house or a car or watching over their children. There are many, many promises in the Bible that can be taken out of the Bible and applied to the people. What what kind of promises are, are given at funerals? Well, the promise of seeing the loved one in heaven for all who, who believe in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of, of sins that he gives to each and every one of us. So each category of our sin can have a promise where God takes care of us. Like temptations, it says very clearly in the scripture that we're all tempted in the same way, but God will not give us a temptation beyond our power to endure as we turn to Jesus for help and will even provide a way of escape. So even when we are tempted God is at work helping the Christian through that particular temptation. Right. Well, back to 1849, you know what else happened in 1849? Oh, yeah. December, 
was the month that they, I guess, they moved the seminary from Altenburg to St. Louis. So in the oh. midst of the, that, that epidemic that they were going on, they still continue to move the church forward. Yes, because the church will endure forever. Now, a lot of times when you read an article like this, even by the president of the synod, he's got a point he wants to make, and he builds it up. And so what are things that he suggests uh, at the end of the letter? <laughs> well, I kind of chuckle. I mean, it's serious. First, he's a catch a pastor some slack. He's not Jesus. He's trying to do the best he can through the situation where people have diverse and strong opinions. So, you know, it's like him walking in, in the midst of a church fight and uh, having to, to settle the people from one from another. I remember a pastor that was uh, involved in a school problem that had happened, and uh, the parents were ready to take the school board to task. You know, they were, they were in the fellowship hall, and he had to stand in the middle to stop and, and uh, take those slings to keep the school board from being set upon. Wow. Yes, there's no doubt that there are arguments in the church and some pastors get very discouraged when there are divisions in the church. Uh, sometimes they themselves cause the divisions because they're, well, say, using inappropriate liturgy or inappropriate sermons for a Lutheran church. But other times, division occurs because, well, the lay people argue with the pastor over his understanding of wearing masks or not wearing masks and getting shots. There are people who refuse to get the shot for the virus because of where they think it comes from. And be that as it may, uh, the pastor is still encouraged them to get the shots to protect other members of the congregation. What was the and second suggestion? Well, whatever, well, the second one is despite whatever views you formulate, on your pastor or congregation has done or should do. Put your hand to the chest and feel it your own flesh and blood. And unless you and at least believe what the scripture says, none is righteous, no, not one, from Romans chapter 3. And, yes. you know, if you've been involved with your pastor, be, be able to say I'm sorry to him for the, for the midst of what he goes through. And what is the pastor going to respond? Well, he's going to absolve him. I, as a call and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto you. And in the said, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you your sins. And that's the last statement in the letter by Pastor Harrison, who is president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He ends on a high note. I always like doing that in sermons of the gospel. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what Pastor Harrison is doing, he's indicating 
that law and gospel is not only important in interpreting the scriptures and finding out what the real reason is a passage is written for from God's point of view, but it's also a way of preaching the distinctions between law and gospel in times of trial. And that trial begins with repentance and concludes when a person is really depressed with the gift of the Holy Gospel, which is the gift of the forgiveness of sins. You are righteous in God's sight. And no matter what happens in your life, guess what? Heaven is your home. I don't think I could have said it any better than that. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is. You know, we hold fast to the word that he's given to us. We we look to Jesus and and the promises that he gives to us in, in the gospel. Yes, you and I went to the seminary not to learn what's in the Bible. Anybody can read that. You can memorize it. But to understand what it means and to recognize that law and gospel can be given to someone to help them come to a proper attitude towards life as it is. Because remember, the earth right now is kind of the kingdom of Satan, and the church is within that kingdom. When we baptize infants, we take them out of the kingdom of Satan, put them into the kingdom of God, the holy Christian church, and we look forward to seeing the result in their different attitude towards all kinds of things. Right. And we encourage people to pick up this letter, because I believe it was published in the February Lutheran Witness, and read it and uh, meditate on it. I think it's well, well written. Yes, you can go ahead to lcms.org and find, oh, it looks like the music is here. Okay, thanks so very much for helping us go through this great article by President Harrison. And on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, which is an open mic Friday, we'll have some issues that we received emails on. And so join with us. I'm Tom Baker, Wes Reimnitz. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.